Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. The grace for you to start to apply the principles that I've been able to pass on by the grace of God. This evening, we are looking at the principles of promotion. That is the topic for this evening, the principles of promotion. Um, It's an excellent uh, topic that I feel will bless, I know will bless everyone who is listening to this. As we move on to the next slide, um, I want to remind you about a networking evening at 7pm on the 25th of January. We've released 10 more tickets, um, so there's um, about 10 um, spaces left. So if you want to join us, if you want to come... If you feel that God is leading you to be there, please search Joseph on Eventbrite and sign up. He promises to be uh, a life-changing day only by his grace. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So, promotion. If, if we go to Psalm 75, verses 6 to 7. Psalm 75, verses 6 to 7. And he says an interesting thing. He says that... Pro- Promotion cometh neither from the east, not from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another one. What this means is is that it is in the hand of God who goes up and who comes down. And in the formula of God... One person has to go down for another person to go up. And if we scan uh, the Bible, if we scan the scriptures, we'll consistently see that what God does for his people is that he sets down someone who is not part of his, his chosen people or he gives them a problem. And then the answer is in the hands of one of his children who has been made ready for that time. So as we move to the next slide. Um, so how does he promote? As I was saying, he will create a vacancy in a high place and he will fill the vacancy with those who are prepared and who are ready for the opportunity. For example, with Joseph, there was a crisis because the people that usually interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, all of a sudden, they, they could not in, interpret this dream. So they had to go on a search to find someone who could. In the instance of, Joseph, of Daniel, again, the people that normally would give uh, the king a satisfactory interpretation to his dream, they all failed. So there had to be a search for someone who could solve the problem of that time. And Joseph, Daniel, Esther, they were all people that were at the right place at the right time, but they had gone through the right process. So they they were ready. And one of the reasons why God does this is because he wants to show that he is the living God. We, We read in Daniel 4, the 17th verse. So why does he do all these things? To the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom? He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. So what this means is that if you're the lowliest of men, 
if you are ready to go through the process of God, he will set you and give you a kingdom. He will give you a sphere of influence. He will give you a sphere of power where you get to um, influence what happens. And he does this on a, con on a continuous basis. And when he does not do it, when he hasn't done it, it's usually because there isn't someone who is ready. So when a Christian is not ready to step into a certain place, then God goes to the next best thing. So he finds a heathen that lives by some of his principles or a heathen that has a mindset that will accomplish the will of God. But God will always know that that person is the second best. That person is not the best of God, but it is what God can use at that time because you and I are not ready. Next slide. So who does God promote? Who are the people that God sets up high? They are people he likes. The favor of God basically means that God likes you. People who have his favor are the people that God likes. And there are things that we can do to make God like us. God loves everybody, but there are some people that he likes. The reason why he likes them is, be is because they live by his principles. And they do the things that make him look down and say, I have found someone who is after my own heart. Someone like David. We like to think that God liked David because he, he, he knew how, how to sing. He knew how to play the harp. But that's not really why God liked him. There's better angels with wonderful voices in heaven that sing better than David. But what was good about David? David lived the principles of God. He knew God and he, he knew what God liked and he did it. Yes, he got some things wrong. But for the most part, he did many things right. And what God wants me and you to do is to look at the Bible and to look at these characters in the Bible as an example of what we need to do to make God like us. And on the other hand, on the other side, what we can do that makes God not like us. Next slide. So who are God's marketplace leaders? Who are the people that he's going to uh, pull and put in charge of departments, put in charge of teams, put in charge of companies, put in charge of businesses. They are the people with the character and capacity to deliver change. And I feel the biggest change is the change that goes in on the inside. When you can change who you are on the inside, then you're ready to change the outside. What this means is that for you to get to the next level, for me to, the to get to the next level, there is something inside of us that we need to change. We're not going to get to that level the same way that we are now. There is a change that needs to happen on the in inside of us. And the process that all these characters in the Bible went through was a process to change them. I was listening to a teaching on Esther on my way to work this morning and really she underwent a preparation for 12 months yeah with oils and uh, all sorts of things to make her beautiful 
It was a preparation for 12 months for an interview that would last one night. If she had not gone through the preparation, she never would have gotten to the king. Talk less of becoming the queen. When we avoid the process or when we give up halfway through it, we are basically a half-baked person and God cannot use us. So we must deliver that change on the inside of us. We must give God per permission to change us from the inside by his grace before he lets us change everything else. So the big teaching, the big learning from this is I cannot uh, move to the next level until something in me changes. And I feel that the more we change or the, the easier we make it for God to change us, the quicker he can take us to the next level. If we open Daniel 1, 3 to 4, there's uh, some pointers there on what, what does God look at. And yes, it was a process by, by which men chose whoever they wanted at that time to train them up. But it also gives an insight into the mind of God concerning these things. So Daniel 1, 3 to 4 says, Then the king inst instructed Ash Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the, the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So I've underlined, uh, for those of you who have the PowerPoint, I've underlined the um the wordings the phrases that hold the nuggets that is in this passage so what are the things that stand out with these people they chose uh there were the king's descendants and some of the nobles they had no blemish they were good looking they were gifted in wisdom they had knowledge they were quick to understand they were able to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And each of these items holds the key to what God is looking for. Next slide. So, item one, royalty. Now, this does not mean that you have to be of royal blood. But what it means is that you need to have internalized the fact that you are the child of a king. And by virtue of, of that, you also are a king. And the thing with kings is that they know who they are. They know the power they hold. They know that nobody can hurt them. And they have a right to set the tone. So the first thing, as a child of God who wants to, um, who wants to be chosen by God, is to realize that you're a king. If we will realize that we're kings, there are many choices that we make, that we may have made when we were younger, that maybe we would not make. There are many things that come to our minds that we allow to settle because we do not know that we are kings. When you're a king, you, you firmly believe in your heart that there is a role for you at the top. Why do private schools charge such a lot of money 
to teach the children is not a different type of maths, it's not a different type of English. What you pay for is the fact that they reprogram the child's brain to have an expectation that they were born to rule. They reprogram them to have an expectation that they were born to make a difference. They reprogram them to have an expectation that they are not a victim, but that they can create the future that they want to see. That is what you pay for in a private school. Apart from the different things they have there, the main thing that they do for the children is to teach them how to think like a ruler. I know there's policies and, you know, people are saying, oh, why is it that the top unis will only choose uh, children who have gone to private school? There's a high pro proportion of them that get to Cambridge and Oxford. And one of the reasons is because of how they think. A clever child in a public school and a clever child in a private school, the type of co of conversations they have with the teachers with their peers is different and in some public school it's a bad thing to be clever so the clever person gradually shuts down their brain and just wants to fit in with, with everybody else in a private school that brain is seen as an asset and something that needs to be treasured so that's the difference that's what god is looking for god is looking for royalty God is looking for people who believe there's a role for them at the top and they are not starstruck. What this means is when Joseph gets to Pharaoh, he says, Hi, um, my name is Joseph and this is how I'm going to solve your dream. What he does not do is go to Pharaoh and go like, Oh, you are the king of Egypt. Please get me out of this prison. He didn't do that. By the time that Joseph got to um, the chambers of Pharaoh, he had com com completely given him himself over to the will of God and he realized that it was only God that could take him to his destination. It was not in the hand of any man. So he was not star starstruck. He did not see someone with loads of money and say, oh, wow, can I have one of your cars? Can you send me on a holiday? He went there and he spoke the word of God. Royalty aims high and they work towards it. So it does not mean that I'm royal and I just sit down and I just watch the world go by. If you look at the royals of these days now, they, they are having to change because the model of the royal that just comes out on Christmas Day, on Easter and just waves, that's not going to wash. They need to be seen and they need to work. The model has changed. So, the royalty. Item two, young and good looking. Please do not think that this is anything to do with age, but it is about the energy, the expectation that is associated with youth. It's easy as you go through life, as, as you get older, to lose the energy, to lose an expectation and, and feel that it is all over for you. Moses was called at the age of 80. Moses was called at the age of 80 and he died 120. So the most important part of Moses' life was between the ages of 80 and 120. So he went through an 80 years preparation for 40 years work. 
Age is nothing but a number. You can have energy at any age. You can have an, an expectation that God has something great prepared for you at any age. The good looking speaks of a personality that is pleasant, of someone that gets along with people. We need to learn how to get along with all sorts of people if, we're, if God is going to put us in charge of them. We need to learn how to get along. There's no two way around that. Nobody likes a, a cantankerous person that just argues and just nitpicks and just gets on everybody's nerves. The CEOs that are most loved, the managers that are most liked, they are people who generally can have a conversation with anybody. It doesn't matter whether they're a CEO, whether they're a cleaner. We need to learn to get along with people. Um, if we don't know how to get along with people, it normally is um, an issue of pride. There's pride somewhere there. We need to learn to get along with people. You don't have to be their best friends. You, you don't have to go on holiday with, with them. You, you don't even need to go to lunch with people. But you need to be able to have a conversation. You need to be able to be open. You need to be able to catch what that person needs and draw out what you can do for them. Item number three, wisdom. Wisdom is about knowing what to do. That's the summary of wisdom. When someone is wise, it means that they know what to do at each point in time to make a success of things. If you open First Chronicles 12, that's true. Yes, it speaks of the sons of Issachar who had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. When you know what to do, people will have no choice but to follow you. And how do we learn how to know what to do? How do we become wise? It comes with continuous learning and experience. What it means is that you're not going to get wise by sitting in your house. You're not going to get wise by not making friends. You're not going to get wise if you don't interact at work. You're not going to get wise if you don't read books. You're not going to get wise if you actually don't do stuff. And sometimes it's going to go wrong. And when things go wrong, at least you've learned how to make sure that something does not go wrong. Skilled in decision-making for a successful out outcome. And the thing with this is that the more, you, the more you do it, the easier it gets. At first, you'll feel like, what if I get it wrong? But one of the things that we need to develop as, as Christians, really, is to be more of a risk-taker and be more bold. The heathens, the, 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 the pagans, they're very bold. They have very big dreams. They will try all sorts of things, but we want to be safe. We want to ask God, oh God, should I do it? And then when God has asked you to do it, you will say, oh, but when should I do it? Oh, but how should I do it? Whereas a pagan, they don't do that. They just get something and then they start to work out. This is how I'm going to do it. This is where I'm going to get my shop. This is what my website is going to be. This is what the name of my company is going to be. This is where I'm going to market it. Whereas we are still waiting we are still sad for God to, to talk to us. And sometimes not even to talk to us. We go to a prophet or we go to somebody else who is not you and we'll be waiting. At times, we just need to do something and see what happens. 
And it might just be that it is the, the mind of God. The next item, item four, knowledge and being quick to understand. If you check people in workplaces, most people who get to the top, you can understand why. I, my manager's manager at work, she's an amazing woman. She has an amazing brain. I look at the woman and I'm like, God, she has a brilliant mind. And you know how she got the brilliant mind? Yes, she might be a clever person, but she put herself through training. She put herself through a discipline that day after day, week after week, year after year, she is where she is now. Brilliant minds. And we Christians need to learn to be like that. We cannot think that we're just going to go to work and because God has made a promise, it is just going to happen. You cannot go to work and read Psalm 23 there. You can't. You can't. You have to provide a a solution to their problem. Now, it might come from the scriptures... It might come from you having prayed to God, but you're not going to get to a, a board meeting and say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, this is what God says that we should be doing. You need, to, you need to know your craft. You need to know your business. You need to know your trade. You need to, you need to know it. Great leaders are great readers. You have to read. There's no, there's no way around that. They've, they've, they've made it easy now. There's audiobooks and you can listen to books but the best thing for me I read and if I'm uh, listening to sermons I'm always making notes my daughter was um was talking to some of her friends and they were talking about their parents and what their parents do and my my daughter said what my mom does is my mom writes down what people say that's what she could summarize her mom as somebody who writes down what people say. And she's very right. I write down what people say and I go over it and I stew it and I'll read a book and I'll listen to a sermon and I'll read business books and all, and all, all sorts of things. Um, I've recently read a book called e- Executive Presence. Wonderful book. And God linked what this woman had written in the book. He linked it to the high priest. He said, this woman is talking about communication, about dressing, and about presence. And if you look at the high priest, those are the three things that the high priest was doing. He was dressed, he had some certain words that he needed to say, and he had things that he needed to do. So he said that I I inspired that book. She may not know me, but what she's writing of, she's writing about me. And this was a book. There was no Jesus in that book. There was nothing. in. But he showed me the high priest of the Old Testament was in a book written by a heathen on how to get to the top. Amazing. Item four. Also, people who know the formulas that work in the industry or the ones that don't. You have to watch the industry. You have to pray and you have to ask God for an insight as to what is coming next. Um, I, I made a change to the type of work that I do, still in my line of work. Um, I started off working on 
things to do with quality of, of how a product is made. Um, but quite early on, I had an, in, an, an inclination, and I just feel that it was just God um, speaking to me, that the work in that area would dry up. I, I didn't really like it that much, but I thought it pays well and pharmaceutical um, products will always be made. So I thought, if I learn how to do that, I'm going to be safe. And one of my mentors said, if you learn that, you'll have a job forever. It's fine. But then I realized that the company started to outsource this work to India. And what that meant is that for what they pay for one of me, they can get about 10 people in India. And it's obvious that they will want to go with someone in India to do that work. So I strategically started to change and by the by the grace of god god has helped me to do this i basically started to change the type of contracts that i did and moved away from that and i moved into the clinical side of things which means how drugs work in people as opposed to how they are made because it's easy to make them what is difficult is will they work in people so that is something that came from God, but I had to look for it. I was not blinded by the money or the promise or the safety of that time. I had a, a conversation with God. Where is this thing going? Where is the industry going? What is happening? You'd be surprised what God will, will tell you if you would ask him, if you would ask him directly. Because you know your industry, you know your craft. You, you know things that even if God were to say it to somebody else and the person that said it to you, call it makes sense. Speak to God about where your industry is going. Speak to God about where your company is going. Speak to God where your trade is going. What is happening now that Britain is coming out of Europe? Some jobs are going to be lost, but some jobs are going to be, guess what, created. Where are the jobs? Next slide. Item five. These people were able to serve in the king's palace. This speaks to me as, first of all, um, ability and willingness to serve. Some people just want to rule. You shouldn't rule until you're able and willing to serve. A ruler who has not served is a bad ruler. So they were able to serve in the king's palace. But one of the things that stands out here is the king's palace... All the palaces where these people in the Bible were working were toxic places. There were places of idol worship. There were places of sexual sin. There were places that were dark and they were deep dark. But these people were able to stand and not fall. These people were able to speak for their God. These people were able to even die for what they stood for. Even though everyone else around them was singing a different story. If we're going to be sent to the king's palace, we must be able to stand. We can't be people that the devil just goes like this and you, you fall down. Then God is going to make sure that you don't get there. Because he knows that if you get there, he's going to lose you. So we must learn a concept called spiritual insulation. What that means is it doesn't matter what the, what's going on. You stand in prayer you read your Bible and you keep in touch with the mentors. Mordecai prompted Esther 
to know that there was a problem. If she had kept out of touch with Mordecai saying, well, I am the queen now. What does he know? Who is he? Then guess what? She would have died because one day they will find out that she's a Jew. And they will say, ah, but king, you have said that all of the Jews need to be killed. So even though she's the, she's the queen, if truly you are king and you made your promise, then she has to die too. If Esther had said, I have arrived now, Mordecai can no longer talk to me, then she would have died. There are so many people who have died in the marketplace because they felt they're too big for their pastor now. Now they have a master's. Now they have a, a salary that is six figures. What does pastor know? All he knows is the Bible. He'll be saying Bible, 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 Bible. And they have been lost in the world. They have missed the mission that God has sent them to do. They have paid with it, with their lives, with their destiny, with their peace of mind. Because they felt, I've arrived now. I don't need to go to church that frequently because I'm busy. Prayer life goes down. Devotional life goes down. Eventually, what is in the palace gets into them. We can't go to the mountains of society and not have this. Um, in the media and industry, we'll find out that there's a lot of people that either they die young, they end up on drugs, they end up committing all sorts of sexual sins. Trust me, if you want to go into music and you want to do it big and you want to do it well, you cannot play. You cannot play with going to church. You cannot play with prayer. You cannot play with having mentors that can speak into your life. And your mentors cannot only just be people who know music. Your mentors need to, to be people who know God, who know what God is saying and who can sit you down and tell you, you are doing what does not make sense. These mountains are governed by principalities and powers that don't play. Look at music. Look at the number of people who just, you, you just hear, they just committed suicide. They just took an overdose or their family just split up or something happened to their children. Something happened to their health. In banking, banking with all that money, the amount of people that jump off the buildings of their company, do you think it's an accident? It's not. You'd be surprised how in these places people will end up on drugs. People will end up losing who they are. Because what, what goes on in these palaces is deep. And if we're going to take them on, we have got to be deep in our own thing to be able to stand. Next slide. Item six, they must be able to speak the language. So um, you must be fa familiar with the vo vocabulary of your company, of your industry and profession. When I have an interview that is coming up, one of the first things that I do, I go to the website of the, of the company and I check the presentations that they give to their investors. Why do I check that? Because there it tells you what, what the company has done. It tells you what the company is doing and it tells you what the company is going to do. If you Google the company, you'll 
you find out the news that is good about the company, you find out the news that is bad. So when you get to the interview and you're telling the person that is interviewing you, you are telling them the problems of their company, it gives you a head start because you already know what is going on. Because you're bothered, you've taken the time to find out. And do you know what that means? It means that if they hire you, they're not going to need to be pushing you around before you do things. You will be able to do things on your own. So we need to learn to speak the language of our profession. And most of all, as we come to the end of this, what is it that we need that is going to make us stand out? Uh, humility. We need to be humble. Many of the things that I have just said are drawn from being, being humble. When you take time to read, when you take time to study, it is because you admit that you don't know. Pride does not let somebody think and know that they don't know. A proud person feels, what I know is okay. Okay? The willingness to undergo a preparation process. Why would you sit under the teaching of a eunuch, which is an impotent man? Why would you think that someone like that can tell you what, what the king wants? One of the reasons that Esther stood out from the other girls is that she went to the eunuch that works with the king and she asked, what is it that the king likes? What does he like? What are the th you live with the king. What are the things that he likes? So I can go there and tell him what he likes. Everybody else felt he's a eunuch, doesn't know anything. I'm beautiful. I don't need to be told what to say or what to do. She was humble. Again, she was willing to listen to a mentor. As I said earlier, she kept in touch with Mordecai. She didn't feel, now I'm the queen, now I'm big. You don't need to tell me anything anymore. I, I am my own woman now. I am my own person. And I'm ready to take on the, the world. The type of mentors that I need now cannot be just you, Mordecai. You're just what? Well, you're just a normal person. I'm a queen, and now queens need to hang around with other queens. She, she, she could have gone down that route. Daniel, too, had a eunuch in his life that he, that he spoke to, said, this is what is going on. Let me talk to you. And these people were ready to die for what they stand for and the mission. If these people are ready to die... What that means to me is that going to church on Sunday morning was not a, a difficulty. I see it so often that people get married, people have children, people get a big job, people get a bit of money, and the first thing that leaves the calendar is the church. The first thing that leaves the calendar is the night vigils. The first thing that leaves the calendar is reading the Bible. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. If these people were ready to die... Sunday morning would not have been a difficult thing. Friday night would not have been a difficult thing. Praying would not have been a difficult thing. Tithing would not have been a difficult thing. The problem with us Christians now is that we're not ready to die, but we want to get to the top. We don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to do the sacrifice. We don't want to change. We just want God to just propel us 
to this place of greatness. The issue is that when God then puts us there, it's not very good for him if we go there and misbehave because then he shows him up. So a, a lot of the, I guess not problems, but many of the challenges that God has is that he has plans for people um, and he will give a prophecy and God will say, if you are here now, uh, my promise to you is that I will take you to barking. But what we don't want to do is go to the bus stop and get a bus to barking. We feel that we're going to magically just be airlifted to barking because God is all omniscient, omni-knowing, and he can do it all. We don't want to make that move. We want God to move for us. And one of the key learnings of this series is, well, actually, there are things that we need to do so God can do the things that only he can do. So what are the skills for favor, in summary? Self-esteem, a personality that is pleasant. Wisdom, knowledge, ability to serve, speaking the language of the market, and also to be humble and loving, and love people, genuinely love people, love people in your workplace, love your patients, love your, love your customers, love your clients, love the industry, see the industry as a manifestation of God. When you see it in that way, the way you react to it is different. All of this in Daniel and his friends led to their work being 10 times better. 10 times better. We cannot be the same as the, as the world and think that we're going to um, stand out. We need to stand out so much more because there are people who you... You don't need to tell them who, who you are. They just look at you and they just know. And they see God in you and they see Jesus in you. They hate Jesus, they hate God, and they will hate you. You don't have to tell them who, they are, who you are. They just know. And what God is saying is that I'm going to make you so many times better than everybody else that even though they don't like you, even though they hate you, they're going to have no, no choice but to, but to come to you in times of help. And my prayer tonight is that God help me to, uh, to have these um, skills for favor. The ones that we have said here, even the ones that are in the mind of God that I have not been able to talk about, even the ones that I don't know. God help me to be 10 times better than the rest so I can take over the mountain for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen, amen in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.